Hi, I'm Stephen Crafty. I'm here at RMIT University in Melbourne, and you're listening to Talking Design. I'm here with a very interesting person called John Parker. Now, before we hear from John Parker, I'll just give you a little bit of background. He started out as a stockbroker, and then he became very interested in furniture. At one point, he was the manager of Space Furniture in Melbourne, and he now has his own business, and he has for a number of years, called Format Furniture. And Format Furniture in Carlton is an amazing place, and John has some of the most interesting design of furniture in probably Australia. So welcome, John, to the show. Thank you, Stephen. Tell me a little bit about your background, a stockbroker. Yeah, well, I did start out in stockbroking, I think, you know, possibly to make my family happy because it was responsible and... Um, Worthy, and um, I, I stuck at it for a few years, and it was in the eighties, and it was a lot of fun. And there was the open outcry system on the trading floor in at the stock exchange in Collins Street. Um, actually, before that, I'd done a year of photography, and but I don't know, kind of suppressed those creative urges. Um, but in the end, you know, I wasn't much of a stockbroker. I've got to be honest. But um, lost a bit of money. Well, no, because the market in those days just kept going up, so you actually couldn't really stuff up too badly. Um, <laughs> but after that, I'd, I'd travelled for a year or so in Europe, and that's when I really became interested in design and specifically furniture. What do you think triggered it? I don't know. I think it's something you, you, you're possibly born with. No, but triggered it in triggered, Europe. Um, Did you see something particularly? I, I look. I can't. Not specifically, but I, I, you know, I went to a lot. You know, Victorian Albert. With museum, which I love, I love the contemporary collection there. And in when, London, yeah, and whenever I'm there for a day or whatever, I, that's the thing I always go and see. And our, you know, it was postmodernism. And for those who don't know about postmodernism, I mean, most people do. Early eighties, mid eighties, Memphis style. Yeah, and a lot of um, you know references to um, neoclassical stuff and geometric shapes. And I just thought it was fantastic. And um, you know, looking back on it probably hasn't stood up so well. I guess the best of the best is always is always good, but but I really responded to that. And so when I came back to Australia, I did a um a furniture making course and of course I made all these completely derivative uh Memphis style pieces and um lots of laminate. Lots of laminate and um lots of um pyramid forms and spheres stuck on coffee tables and things. And um uh, that that sort of led to um, not any formal training, but just, just a love of it. And then I met the owner of Space Furniture, and um, you know, which I thought was a great way of combining commerce and love of design. And so I've been doing that ever since. So when did you start at Space? Um, so it would have been in the mid nineties. Right. Yeah. So I sort of did the had the tail end of the. Um, 80s, making my own sort of stuff and mucking around and then, you know, really got got involved. Now, it's quite different to make, you know, way out furniture for yourself when you're a student. Yeah. But to actually start buying furniture mm. that is commercial, mm. and that's what you did in the end, you mm. were the buyer, the main mm. buyer. How do you go about sourcing and buying furniture that you think is going to be both exciting but also commercial? Well, I think the trick is, with Space being such a large company, they had their suppliers like B&B Italia and Casina, who are you know very well known and they're very commercial. And so 
um, we're able to buy all those pieces that were very commercial and then you could always slip in some really crazy things like within the Casino collection, the Gitane Pesce um, pieces and, you know, maybe they'd sell, maybe they wouldn't. Almost window dressing. Yeah, window dressing and and having the sort of really high impact things that get the company a lot of press and, um, and you know, even in Melbourne there's enough nutcases out there who will buy those sort of pieces or um, some of them ended up at my place. Um <laughs> But but that's you know that's what I love about design and you have to be obviously to run a business or to have a successful business you have to you have to be commercial but certainly within the Italian industry it's those pieces that you know really I I think define what the industry is capable of and what are some of those pieces John Well I'm thinking as I said Casina I'm thinking of the Feltri chair the uh, the Pesce piece which is made of uh, industrial felt that's formed into this sort of um, Morticia Adams-like throne. Okay. Yeah. and then It's it, like a quilt at the back. Yeah, it is. It's like a... And it's got a, actually it's got a quilt covering um, clipped into it, and then it's dipped in resin, and the resin sets, and you ended up with this, um, you know, rigid form. Um, what else? And you bought that first. So I bought that. How collectible is that now? I think it's very collectible, the early ones. Um, and I think... Um, you know, there's certain periods where some of them have lost their rigidity, but but, but I, I believe it's still in production, and there are still. Um, there's no doubt that the, the the industry has got more and more commercial, and and especially as things have got tough, uh, you know, they're less likely to take risks. So it is a safer sort of industry, but there's still wonderful things out there, and I'm always attracted to that end of the market. So who are you? And now with format, you can do your own thing. You can really. Mm. It's much freer, mm. in a sense. Who are the people that you're looking at now? You had Establishment and Sons? Yeah, I brought Established and Sons to Australia. Uh, that is a company with very um, big ambitions, so it probably didn't fit my sort of um, template for business in the end. But um, something I'm lo- I love at the moment is Charuti Baleri. Uh, Baleri was an old company, started at the same time in the 60s as Alias and a few others. It's a small company. Uh, it was one of the first ones to commercially produce Philippe Stark's designs, and there's still some pieces in the collection, like the Richard Third, Richard the Third chair, and um, a bookcase. And it is classic eighty Stark. Uh, what they've done lately is they've commercial. In the last couple of years, they've commercialised the Maison Martin Magella collection of sofas and smaller items, and they successfully, I think, you know, combine that that wit of the fashion side of the label. Uh, with commercial qualities. So for the people who don't know the Martin Margiela piece, it's all white. There's a white covering over three or four separate chairs that are fused together to make a lounge, yeah. different chairs. Yeah. So you have this lovely ensemble, yeah. ensemble of furniture. And it's actually real in the sense that it... Um, uh, whoever Martin Margiela is, because that's one of the enduring mysteries, but in his in his Paris showroom, he, he literally got old chairs from the op shops or whatever and put them together and then just made a really simple slip cover that went over the whole lot. So, And, you know, it's it, it very... I think it's very rare to see something that fresh and um, spontaneous these days. And so what happened was Charity Baleri then commercialised that product and it's actually... It still looks like three chairs that... Odd chairs that have been shoved together. In fact, it's all steel-framed and cold-foamed and, you know, the cutting on the... Um, it takes a lot of skill on the cutting of the cover to look that... Um, sort of shabby. You also have work by Maurizio Galante. 
Well, that's who's one of the absolutely. world's leading couturiers. Yeah, and um, and that's such a pleasure to have that in the collection. It's um, he, what he is able to achieve in his fashion with fabric is just. I mean, I was just knocked over when I saw it. You cannot believe that it's fabric. I because he's got to, for people who can't who don't know his work, he's he's done things like cover ottomans with skulls heads, yeah, the prints of skulls right. heads. Yeah, and cactuses and you know, there's a whole um sofa made up of of these spheres which uh with have photographic prints of cactuses. They look so real and um um he made it for the Couturier Institute in Paris and it's just a fantastic object. Um he's also done these incredible special edition fabrics um which look like some sort of S and M, I don't know, fabric or you know, little needles coming out over, you know, eight, um, meters of this fabric on this chair. Um, he's also done actually coming out this year at the fair in Milan next month is a curiosity cabinet, which is uh, it closes with this sort of um, cut fabric sliding screen. Really, what wonderful things and very collectible, I think. He did. He just won... Uh, Maurizio Galante just won a, an award for Wallpaper Magazine for the Best Faux Award, where he had a high back chair, yeah. uh, a very English-style yeah. chair, covered in a marble fabric. Yeah. So it was kind of the juxtaposition of something very hard That's right. and something very soft. Yeah. It was magnificent. It was called... Um, it's called Louis XV Goes to Sparta, whatever that means. But it is... It's, it, it, looks, it looks absolutely honed from a block of solid Carrara. It's a, it's a really beautiful thing. Mm. And see, that's the, uh, you know, my ongoing love and fascination of the industry is that a company, in this case, Ceruti Baleri, can bring something so nuts to commercialisation. And then it's up to me and uh, my counterparts around the world as resellers to find the market for these amazing pieces. And who buys those pieces, John? Well, there's... Collectors? Uh, pretty much collectors. I mean, there are some people who just... This actual chair got um, quite a bit of coverage in a magazine here, in a home magazine, and the people that rang up were just from all all types and all walks of life. So it's just something that resonates with with people. And you, you could say that this, you know, it's kind of a joke in, you know, a chair carved from... Marble. Marble. But, I don't know, it lens... It's the un- well, it's the unexpected. Yeah, it's the unexpected, but it's um, it's not a cheap joke, is what I'm trying to say. It's a, it's still a very real sort of thing. And then there are there are people in Australia who buy Maurizio Galante's Couturier work from Paris, and so they have an interest as well. Right. The other person who uh, you identified quite early is an Australian who's extraordinary, called Susie Stanford, who is really a highlight. Um, in one of my finds yeah. over the many years. Mm. I, tell me how... For those who don't know Susie Stanford's work, she covers... Um, she calls herself an upcycler, where she brings in uh, fabrics from all... You know, sourced from all around the world, tapestries, vintage tea towels, and she covers armchairs mm. to extraordinary effect. Mm. What was what was your reaction when you saw Susie's work for the first time? Look, I thought it was, it was so fresh and amusing and... Um, and it's just one of those things that really struck a chord with people. People, we had um, we had uh, chairs in the showroom made from tea towels. She can source. She can. You can say to a client, you can choose tea towels based on a theme, a colour. We did a um, a lounge chair based on big things. So we had tea towels with the big pineapple, the big lobster, the big prawn, 
and this person was from Queensland and most of the big things do happen to be in Queensland so she absolutely loved it um, for a radio personality not you Stephen mm. but another radio personality we did a a towel and he wanted a New Zealand theme so not only did she find New Zealand tea towels she found tea towels from his hometown in New Zealand what? yeah and she's such a big personality and, you know, she's, she's so creative. And For those who don't know, she's had incredible su- success she's, um, in her in her what she's achieved. She, yeah. she did all the contemporary jewellery for Paul Smith That's in right. London. Who um, works at Liberties in London. Lane Crawford in in uh, in Asia, yeah. in Hong Kong. Paul Smith um, buys all her production of jewellery. Whatever she makes, he will buy. These chairs were shipped to... Uh, they're actually the store fittings in his new... Well, new a couple of years ago, LA store. Uh, she also has a financial background. She's much more talented than me. But um, how she got on in as a as a woman in this finance company in New York, you know, it's just a terrific story. Um, and she did she did the tea, ta- tea, tea cup lights, uh, which John, were, do you think it, it helps designers and creative people to, to have a non-design background? Maybe it does. And maybe, um, just as you said that, I'm thinking, you know, something has to account for the homogeneity of design at the moment, I think. Or Is it particularly homogenous at the moment? I think you'd have to say it is. And I know... And is it the economy? Or well, do you think people are just being really safe and boring? Look, I think um, there is the safe and boring element anyway. But I do think that history shows that in tough times people do tend to become safer and therefore, you know, that's thrown back on the manufacturers who want, you know, they can't afford to have a product that doesn't sell commercially. But, you know, given that, I just think the interest, history will show, as I like to say, that, um, you know, the... The really valuable collectible pieces will, will be the interesting Always ones. be the interesting things, yeah. The things that people rejected at the time. Yeah, probably. And then said, my God, I can't believe we didn't... Yeah. Taken off. I mean, Memphis, for example, was pretty badly treated when it came to Australia. Yeah. And I think now it's starting to gain momentum. Yeah. And I think, you know, um, Memphis is a great example of the best of a period will generally always be collectible or looked on favourably because, you know, Memphis was shocking at the time or kitsch or whatever, but, you know, it, it was the best of a period and it's it's fantastic and I think it you know transcends its time and it's 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 clearly of a time yeah. but um yeah where John where do you think furniture's heading at the moment with your crystal gazing ability and and just seeing so much in the world yeah what what do you where do you see furniture going to Dullsville probably Is I don't, <laughs> for I the next slash my wrist yeah <laughs> well for the next few years because things are going to be tough and as I you know the you think it's going to be very safe? Yeah, and the Salone in Milan, which is where all the Italian manufacturers in the whole world really show all their in new April. stuff in April, I think is probably going to be very safe. Mm. And um, I, th- I think we're we're in the middle of this um, sort of homey period with nurturing. Yeah, and um, you know, even the big manufacturers have got things like things that look hand stitched are in fact done by computer and com- computer em- embroidery and made in China. Yeah, that sort of thing, but it looks sort of homely and comfortable mm. and squishy and I think we're that's going to last for a few more years. Timber is very um now and that is largely because it's much cheaper to produce things in timber rather than to set up mm. the um the molds, know, the molds which can cost, you know, millions of dollars. So, I, yeah, I think 
I think it's going to continue pretty much as is for a while. Oh, how depressing, John. Well, yeah. yeah. Um, what are the highlights? I mean, there must be, and apart from people like Susie Stanford who are a highlight, but, you know, even on the world stage, um, you know, is there a, a beacon of light at the end that, you know, someone is forging something new out there? Well, I think, and you know, example that we spoke about was um, Maurizio Galante, and there will, you know, he is a, as you, you said, you know, a, a, a real bright spot. Um, last year in Milan, he had a, an exhibition, like a retrospective at the Triennale of all his um, his fashion work, his design work, and you just think it's a it's a really mm. fresh, original talent, mm. which has obviously taken years to to nurture they and seem produce. To, I mean, but, him, him and his business partner Tal Landsman, yeah seem to come up with so many amazing things. Yeah. Um, I mean, I was in Paris and I saw their ceramic collection yeah. and that they're starting to work on. Yeah. And you think, my God, you know, there's just no end to the creativity. That's right, because they're, they're truly original creative people. Is and it the fact that we're just not having the creatives, there's just a lack of creativity at the moment and it's being driven by business? Yeah, I think you'd have yeah. to say that. And, you know, I think um, the truth is, I'm sure, all around the world, there is this... Um, what do you call it? These homages and these, um, you know, there's very... Well, how do you be original, I suppose, unless you are a truly creative original thinker? But I think there's a lot of derivative stuff happening in design and architecture in Australia. I think that's undeniable. One person who you did um, spot quite early in the piece, and we've actually had him on the show, is Yoast, Yoast Bucker. Yeah. And uh, you actually stuck your neck out when you were managing space and had a an exhibition of yeah. his work and you even graffitied That's right. all the walls to give it that very urban, gritty yeah. feel. Much to the corporate owner of Space Furniture, which is, of course, Harvey Norman's horror that their flagship store... Was covered in graffiti. Was covered in graffiti. <laughs> um, but, you know, with someone he was, like... He was amazing. Yeah, he was... See, there's that, that idea of, you know, the breath of fresh air. And, you know, Yost's attitude... I, I, I don't believe design has to be, um, you know, this... Precious. Precious and this, you know, this temple of preciousness. And, you know, Yost came in and he's like, he produced what he produced. If you like it, you, you're allowed to like it. If you don't, he doesn't mind. He's not, he's not, he doesn't really comment on his work. He just produces it. And I just love that. And it was, you know, in some ways very rough and... Um, because he had a number of exhibitions and they didn't sell, and then he had it at space. Yeah. And it really, there was almost that acceptance that this is yeah, actually well, quite cool. Yeah, the idea of the gallery, you know, gives credence to to the work you put in it. Yeah. But um, I don't know about that. But, I, you know, you see few too, too few sort of Yosts. Um, Have you seen anyone recently along? who's walked into your showroom with a new idea? Not really. Not really. And I'd say the two you've... Um, mentioned today, Susie and Yost, you know, they're in my time so far they've been the 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 really the really bright stars and uh, it's probably no coincidence that they're so um, nonchalant about their work. It's mm. you know and, and and not precious about it. The other thing you must see in with you know, with the years of experience you've had is a lot of people knocking off Ideas coming in and saying, you know, I've just designed this, and you go, well, look, someone designed it six years ago, mm. and this person was that. I mean, that must happen quite a bit in your industry. It does, and um, how do you say that to people nicely? I've got lots of ways to do it now because, you know, I've had to because there's just so much, as I said before, derivative things out there, and 
you know, I'm allowed to comment because I'm not out there trying to produce original things. I did try and, um, you know, I saw my work as derivative. So I decided to go on the other side and find markets for people who produced truly original things. And I'm really happy to do that. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't know if Australia is worse than other places. I think, you know, before the advent of social networking, the internet and all that thing where, where, images weren't as quickly spread around the world you know you get away with things for longer but you know there's a lot of people who have seen edra catalogues from 1986 and and that sort of thing and you know you do know that it's not a matter of just reinventing no but having said that i do understand how how difficult uh it is to produce something original and even if you should have to produce something original i'm not sure that that's a pressure that um but at the same time i don't know john just finally what gives you the most pleasure in 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 what you're doing. Well, Stephen, that's really... Cause <laughs> some, up. Well, sometimes I wonder what I'm still doing it for. And then there's, every now and then I get... What, what I love is, uh, you know, I just love the industry. I love creative minds. I love the way designers and artists think because it's different from the way I think. And I love the interp- how in, a designer, in this case, interprets something to become a piece of furniture and to become... I like the practicalness of furniture as well. Um, so it's art, furniture. Yeah, and just the ideas. It's the, you know, things. I, I love the construction, the production, and things have to be well made. But basically, it's just the ideas. And you, you just look around, you know, my showroom or the fair, or, and and you just, you know, the the wonderful people out there producing these incredible things because mm. they've got they see the world in a different way. Basically, yeah. I guess. Well, I hope we continue to have people like you in the industry who just forge a creative Thank you. path because um, I'm a bit sick of beige on beige on beige. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and look, it, it gives me pleasure when I, I see amazing things and just to actually see them. Mm. You know, you don't always have to buy everything, but just no, to actually right. see something that's great. Yeah. You know it when you see it. Yeah. I've always said, you know, my, my great cliche is uh, you know when people balk at the price of something and you know I understand that this design is expensive but I actually still believe after all these years that it can actually make your life better hmm. being surrounded by well look thank you so much John for coming in today to speaking to me it's a pleasure Stephen. Uh, you've been with Stephen Crafty talking design at RMIT University in Melbourne thanks very much for listening